this flyover clip. Mm. Man, so ha- I've got so many I know. Questions. So how does that play out then uh, uh, with, because we're hearing a lot about like Matthew 24, because it's looking like for Matthew 24, things are actually getting worse before they're going to get better. So in the book, Victoria's Eschatology, the first thing we cover is Matthew 24. So I co-authored this with um, Dr. Martin Trench, but we go through because in verse 3 of Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus a question. It says, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? Now, most Christians have been taught that that is one question just stated in three different ways. When most Christians read that, they think that's a question about when will the end of the world be? And one of the reasons they conclude that is because the last word is translated in the King James Version as when is the end of the world, Mm. where other translations, most other translations, say when is the end of the age. Well, that makes a big difference. And actually, the Mm. Greek word behind there is aeon, which most often is translated as age throughout the rest of the New Testament. So we believe that the disciples were not asking Jesus just about the end of the world. We do believe there'll be an end of the world. We do believe Jesus is coming back. But we like to note that there's three questions, not just one question. Mm-hmm. First question, when will these things happen? Mm-hmm. Second question, what about your coming? Third question, what about the end of the age? Now, if we see three different questions, then that changes how we look at the answer Jesus gives, that Jesus answered all three questions one at a time. That's in contrast to how many Christians have been taught that everything Jesus says from Matthew 24, verse 4, to the end of the chapter is answering the question about the end of the world. But people like me, and in fact, I am beholding to the historic church's view that it's three questions, not one question. Mm. Now, everything changes once we make those distinctions. Because the first question, when will these things happen? Well, we have to figure out what are these things they're talking about? Before we understand the answer Jesus gives, we have to understand the question. Most Christians today just assume he's talking about the end of the world. Mm But we have to find out what was in the disciples' mind 2,000 years ago while they're sitting with Jesus on the Mount of Olives. Mm -hmm. What were they meaning when they said these things? And to answer that, you have to read the preceding verses. You have to go all the way back into Matthew 23. Matthew 23 is the chapter preceding. Okay. And there's a long discussion Jesus has first with his disciples, then He turns his attention to the Jewish religious leaders and rebukes them. So it's one long rebuke beginning in verse 13 to the end of the chapter. And Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And he says that repeatedly. Yeah. He says, you fools and blind men. He gives them a strong warning. And then he says, within one generation, I will require the blood of all the righteous people at your hands. Then he ends this chapter crying out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. 
how I wanted to gather you together like a hen gathers her chicks under his wings, but you were unwilling. Mm. So chapter 23 ends with Jesus declaring the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. And then we who read the Bible a lot know that the chapter breaks. They were added in there. They're not in the original writing, so we have to right. just keep reading. So chapter four, chapter 24, verse 1, just continues. And that's when they're coming out of the temple after this incredible rebuke. And Jesus went out of the, departed from the temple, and the disciples came to him and pointed to the buildings in the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, as I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another, and it shall not be torn down. So that was brings us right up now to the questions. Mm -hmm. The next verse, verse 3, that's the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is just when you come out of Jerusalem, coming out of the temple, going right up in the hill. My wife and I have been there many times. You just sit on Mount Olives. You're looking right at the temple. Ah, interesting. So Jesus was sitting on this mount with his disciples, and they turn to him, and they say, when are these things going to happen? So I would propose to you that the first question is not about the end of the world. The first question is about when will Jerusalem and the temple be destroyed? So that changes everything. Mm -hmm. That is. For people who know their history, they know that within one generation, exactly as Jesus had said, judgment came upon Jerusalem and the Jewish religious leaders. 20,000 Roman soldiers came, surrounded the city, sealed the city off for months so no one could get out and have food. And then the general, General Titus, ordered the soldiers to descend upon the city. They killed more than a million Jews. Mm. We have a document written by Josephus. He was a high priest, not a high priest, he was a priest who was hired by the Roman government to record what was happening. Anybody can Google Josephus. And you can read what happened at that time when a million Jews mm. were murdered. And then Josephus describes that when they started to descend upon the city, they crucified more than 500 Jews every day. Wow. Finally, they came into the city. More than 2,000 Jews were packed in the temple. They slit the throats of all 2,000 Jews. Then they lit the temple on fire. And the gold in the dome melted, and it, it went down into the rocks. So that general and a later general both ordered every rock to be removed so the gold could be scraped off and recaptured. It was fulfilled exactly as Jesus had said. Not one stone will be left upon another, and he said it would happen within a generation. It happened exactly 40 years from the time Jesus stated it, sitting on the Mount of Olives, the temple was destroyed. Wow. So that changes everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we're dealing with the first question is not about the end of the world. The first question was about Jesus, uh, when he spoke the judgment against the Jewish people throughout Matthew 23, people who teach the victorious view believe that the first judgment was against the Jewish people in 70 AD. 
So, and that was like, I'm sure you, Harold, would that be like Pharisees and uh, because that was what he was so angry about? Yeah, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. He names all mm-hmm. three groups mm-hmm. um, in Matthew 23. Um, and he blames them for the shedding of the blood of all the prophets in the Old Testament times. But we know the most critical one was Jesus Christ was rejected mm-hmm. as the Messiah by the chief leaders. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was a judgment. And we've had conversations about it. You know, we, in fact, I think it was last week we went on our walk and we were just talking about, um, I mean, it was bad. I mean, you know, it was it was so bad that you see and you hear stories of mothers eating their children, you know, because yes. they were starving. It, it, it's, it's, it's more horrific what's captured in Jerusalem at that time than you could ever even imagine, you know, yes. today. You know, based on just the glimpses we have from Josephus' writings and, you know, other sources documenting that. Um, and so some of these things that, that we, you know, you, you you grow up, you know, it's like, oh, well, Hitler's the Antichrist and this is the worst thing happened. There's there's always a, a terrible thing happened and you, you're always kind of attributing mm-hmm. those things to the fulfillment, you know, of the scripture. But I, I think historically most people aren't aware of what was going on there then. Yes, exactly. And that's the uh, way that most of the church leaders throughout history, 2,000 years of history, they understood this. It's only been since around the 1960s that evangelical Christians never have been taught this. They've been taught a different view. They've been taught that Matthew 24 is all about a future event. Um. And so that's the way I was taught. Mm-hmm. I was raised in that. Yep. Um, and therefore, I thought all of those things were meant to be in the future, everything mm-hmm. written in Matthew 24. But through studying what our far forefathers thought, I've come to believe the first question was about that destruction of 70 AD. Of course, I believe that there's going to be a second coming. And I believe the third question does talk about the second coming and the end of the world. But that first question is a separate question. And Jesus said, this will happen within one generation. People like me believe that literally, that within one generation, which at that time in history was considered 40 years, Jesus rebuked the scribes and Pharisees in 30 AD. 40 years later was 70 AD. That was the year of the Holocaust of the Jews, the first great Holocaust. So well, and, we and percentage percentage yeah. of the Jewish people that was yeah. far worse than even in in recent times. Mm-hmm. It I mean, certainly think of, is. I don't know what the population of of Israel was or the population of Jerusalem at the time, but if you're talking the death of a million, you know, in, I in, in just a few months, right? And it, yes, most yes. Bible like stories four like months or something. We need much yes. three months, three month period. Wow. Most Bible it's, movies they just don't have the cast or the budget. A lot of times we look at these cities and they look like a little village, you know, with like a couple hundred people yes. living there. But, right. you know, the, the mm-hmm. scale and scope mm-hmm. that, that there could be a, yes. a million people killed. It's like, and, and the we way they were killed, too. Obviously, the starvation. Um, but, you know, I've heard like they were like even living or leaving the, the city to try to get some food. And they'd swallowed, you know, different possessions to try to get free. And then they would cut them open, you know, and yes. uh, they did for different things. Obviously, they had the, the hanging them on the cross. And then they didn't they do something like, almost where like they were scaffolding, like, right? 
Yeah. Didn't they also Probably. do something where they used him as a torch? You know, know in his there, garden they, they or something? Certainly had gone on to do that, Nero and, and others. It was a rough yeah. time. It was a rough time. Yeah, it was I the mean, Christians who were put under the torches. They were dipped in oil and they were lit up the gardens of Nero in the evenings with the bodies of Christians burning. Wow. So that was a separate event. But it was so tragic. It's hard to comprehend the Jewish Holocaust that happened. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they cut open their stomachs. The soldiers were allowed to open up their stomachs, keep them alive. If there were any gems, take those gems and then send them back into the city. Still alive, but their stomachs were cut open. Man. That went on until the last couple weeks. Right before the whole city was destroyed, the general ordered no more intestine searching. He said, now I want you to cut off the hands of everyone who tries to escape and send them back into the city with no hands. So the last two weeks was severing of hands, but then they descended upon the city that had been starving for months. So um, that's where we hear records that mothers were eating their children Mm -hmm. inside of Jerusalem. Sad. Even the number... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, there's a psychosis that takes place. I did a a, a study of um, you know post you know Ed Stalin and then Lenin and in the Soviet Union and and I don't know that they cover that thoroughly here how horrific that time was there the amount of starvation but there's a a, a literal thing that takes place. It's one thing like somebody's like fasting where I missed lunch or I fasted for a week or these things but when you go long stretches like that there there something goes wrong in the mind yes, that that it that that it's hard for us to comprehend you know now you know in in that setting but it it people do turn on themselves they turn on each other there's a a very animalistic nature as the flesh completely takes over the spirit in a way that they can't control yes and it certainly seems like that's what happened the josephus who was there writing it the way he describes the behavior of the Jewish people after starvation, it's it's animal behavior. Mm-hmm. Is this and why of course, you, you, all of us probably would have acted like that? Sure. Any one of us under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't predict how you would be in a in a situation. How is this where like where you know it, it says um, you know it's better that for no woman to even be pregnant during this time and mm-hmm. and and so forth? Is this is this why? And it, was there a lot of Christians that had like he he did this as a prophecy and left the city? I think the disciples did, right? Yes, the disciples did. So we have historical record that as soon as the soldiers begin to come, they were encircling the city. Well, the disciples of Jesus knew this prophecy. It had been handed on to the disciples even after Jesus' death. We have historical record that the Christians fled. When they saw the soldiers coming, they fled to a city called Pella. And historical documents reveal that they fled to this other city and then they were spared. And then the Jews who remained, they're the ones who suffered this Mm -hmm. terrible starvation and then slaughter. Mm. What about like uh, in Matthew 24, you know, we hear about, um, earthquakes and, you know, these different things that obviously we're seeing a lot now. Was that something that was prevalent then? Yeah. So, of course, I know you've read it too. Um, but right now we're saying the first question 
is about this destruction in Jerusalem. So if we follow through with that understanding, then when we read Matthew 24, we're going to see Jesus answered all three questions one at a time. So right after verse 3 starts verse 4, and he's answering the first question, which talks about people claiming to be the Christ, wars, rumors of war, famines and earthquakes, what you're describing. But I'm suggesting to you, which most of our church fathers before 1960s believed, that the first question was about what preceded the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So I would propose from verse 4 down to verse 28 is all answering the first question. Then Jesus answers the second question, verse 29 to 36. Then he answers the third question, verse 36 to the end of chapter 24. So because there's three questions, we have to break up Jesus' answer to say, okay, Jesus answered all three questions one at a time. And what you were addressing about famines and earthquakes, um, we have historical record of these events happening. For example, in the book of Acts chapter 8, Agabus prophesies of a great famine that will come over the whole land. That's when a famine came. We have non unbiblical, out extra biblical documents talking about the famine that came between the death of Jesus and 70 AD. We have earthquakes increasing. Now, in the book, I named some of those earthquakes, but I always also wrote them in the margin of my uh, Bible. But in the book, they're documented. Um, but we have Pompeii. That's the one most people know. Yeah. yeah. Tragics. That was in 63 AD. We have earthquakes in Smyrna, Colossia, Miletus, Hierapolis, Chios, Sumos, Laodicea, Campania, Rome, and Judea. Earthquakes wow. that today people who believe in the futurist view, meaning this prophecy is fulfilled in the future, get on the radio and start talking about, oh, there's earthquakes increasing. Well, that's where people like me are troubled, saying Jesus was saying these things would happen within one generation. And indeed, we had 12 catastrophic earthquakes happened between 30 AD and 70 AD. And the disciples of Jesus who were alive at that time believed that those earthquakes were the fulfillment of these words of Jesus. Here we are 2,000 years later. We're trying to apply them to our future. Sure. And mm -hmm. the early disciples applied it to their life. They believed it was happening in their lifetime. So you're saying that first question that they were asking um, actually happened in, by 70 AD. So when people yes. are looking for it to happen today, it's you're saying it's already happened back in by 70 AD. Yep. And but we're just qualifying the first question. We do mm -hmm. believe the second and third question, um, but that first question to be clear. Now there are and, some people who believe all three questions are fulfilled. Um, I think they are interpreting the Bible wrongly. It's a small group. It's not a major movement. Um, but there are a huge number of Christians coming back to the historic church's understanding that the first question was fulfilled in 70 AD. This concept that the first question was fulfilled in 70 AD is the major view of most of the church fathers. Mm -hmm. 
looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. He's still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, my pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you never want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of My Pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a My Pillow or not, you need to get the brand new My Pillow 2.0. Call or go to mypillow.com now. Use your promo code and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. Do your feet ache and throb in pain with every step you take every day of your life? Kiss those days goodbye with slippers from MyPillow.com. How about that flimsy, flat little excuse for a pillow that's nothing but eight hours of disappointment? Causing you pain in your neck every single night. You can wake up with nothing but butterflies and rainbows around your head with a MyPillow pillow. Those hard wood floors hurting your old bones. No more with a MyPillow dog bed. Are your towels worn thin, flimsy? More patchy than Joe Biden's memory? There's nothing better than absorbent towels from MyPillow.com. For all of these products and more, go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code FLYOVER for up to 66% off. For more great content, go to FlyoverConservatives.com.